this week on the Recruitment Flax. If your job ad has, we're a family, you may want to hire a new copywriter. We share the latest research on cost per hire, and we wonder where does your company line up? Freedom 55, nurses and truckers are definitely bailing out. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge with my co-host Shelly. Shelly, I am recovered from HR Tech. Are you recovered? <laughs> well, let's keep in mind, Serge, that I stayed a couple days after you did. And I just wanted to tell you this quick story. So I'm on a group chat text with my girlfriends back here in Calgary, and they're all getting together. They're going to go out. And so I send a message back to the group text saying, I'm still in Vegas. I met someone and I'm going to stay here a bit longer. <laughs> well, <laughs> They were like, oh my God, give me details. I mean, you know that I was meeting with my girlfriend who lives in Henderson, but they didn't know that. So here's the moral of the story though. Only one of my girlfriends picked up the phone and called me because they know me well enough to know I would never do such a thing. I would never like hook up with some guy in Las Vegas and not come home for a week. Like they know that. But anyways, I only have one true friend (laughs) because she thought, I'd been kidnapped. Somebody had taken over my phone and was responding on my behalf. So until she heard my voice, she was like, oh, okay. It's a gag, right? That's really cute. You have one true friend. I only have one true friend in my whole friend group. That really knows you. So Who knows me well enough to know that. Yeah. I did stay the extra couple days. It was wonderful to just spend some time with an old friend. Did you party? Like, did you just... No, 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 no. No. You know, I've not been down in Vegas for about 10 years. And so just family stuff. Had dinner with her and her daughter and... That was fantastic, but yeah. So now we've traveled. We had a great time in HR Tech. There is a ton of episodes coming up. They're in the hopper right now. There will be a lot of great content and re-listening to it. That week was a whirlwind. And after you take a couple of days, figure out, okay, what was good? What wasn't? There were so many good things about it. I am potentially done traveling for a while. And I say that I'm going to have to travel probably two to three weeks for my day job back to the Maritimes. But you are traveling fairly soon, right? Yeah. Yeah. I am so grateful. One of the reps at Indeed, his name is Arif Mullah, and he's one of the account executives at Indeed. And he nominated me for an all expenses paid trip to New York City for Indeed's Future Works 2022. And that's coming up in October. So big shout out to Arif. Thank you so much for the nomination. It's going to be amazing. Great lineup, great speakers. It's a jam-packed schedule. And it's going to be at the Javits Center in New York, which apparently is the updated version of what I think a lot of the hotels in Vegas ought to do with their conference centers. It is just gorgeous. We're talking to somebody at the HR Tech Conference that was saying the best in the world right now is the Javits Center in New York. So guess where I get to go? Well, good for you. And and what is the lineup? Who's the main speaker again? Jason Sudeikis. You heard of him? 
Huh? Yeah, Have you heard Ted of him? Lasso. You know who that Ted is? Lasso. <laughs> it is. But I just noticed he's not going to be there live. I think he's coming in via video. That's kind of weird, though. I know. You think he could at least show up, right? Well, exactly. So I'm not your plus one. I'm pretty upset by that. Sorry. That's okay. I'll stay here. And probably not a good idea since I work for a competitor of Indeed, but probably I hope not. Probably oh, I not, did... right? Yeah. It'd be pretty fun. It seems we're travel compatible. But we are. And I think we really are, which was, was a bit of a feet, test. By the way, my feet are all healed. Yep. Good. I'm all good. But I won't make that mistake in New York. I don't care if I'm in the fashion capital of the world. Well, no, Paris is fashion capital, but New York is pretty close second. I'm still going to wear runners. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. So let's jump into our key insights. There is a really great article that talked about the words we use and their hidden meanings in job ads. The job ad is meant to, of course, paint a realistic picture of what the work is like. But I think for companies who don't have a very good employment brand, they try and cram it all into their job ads. I think I know what they're trying to say, but let's face it. Serge, have you met a recruiter that's a good copywriter? Like ever? Not many. No, very few. So I think at the time when you're sitting at your desk all by yourself, it sounded good and you know what you mean, but I just wanted to toss out a few of the more colorful or interesting ways that we decide to describe what it's like to work at our company. And they before say, you do, do you what? think it's just they're thinking of it? Or what I've done many times is I look at other job descriptions, see those words, be like, oh, I'm going to use that. that. So good. I think it's like a copy over a copy and we keep using it, even though we're not understanding what the meaning of it is or not the meaning, but the perception that the job seeker reading it has. So a good marketing person takes that into consideration. They take into consideration who's the audience, how are they reading it versus, you're right, what's happened is we take something and just keep using it, thinking, well, somebody must have vetted this originally. Probably the most, shall we say, subliminal messages is when you say, you know, we're like a family. We treat our employees like family. Serge, I don't know about your family. Everybody's got an eccentric person, shall we say. If you're going to advertise your company culture in your job ads as we're like family, what do you think the perception is of the audience? Absolutely scary when I see we're like family. And there's a couple of reasons. I think you mentioned, (laughs) yes, there's a lot of dysfunction in a lot of families. And it really depends on the type of background that you're coming from, because your family life might not be great. And the thought of going to work for a company that's similar to your family life, pretty scary. But the underlying of what that means is we're going to have the boss yell at us. We're going to deal with verbal abuse. They're going to ask us to work extra hours. And if you don't, you're letting the family down. And I've seen that with leadership. We're like family. What do you mean? You're not pulling your weight. It's kind of a guilt. Parents give you guilt or your kids give you guilt on some things. It gives you the excuse that you can guilt your employees. I don't know how you feel, yeah. but I really don't like those parties on a weekend being like, well, we're all family. Let's have a barbecue and bring your kids. I'm like, I have a family life. I have a work life. And in some cases that might work, but what they're trying to do is create a culture that doesn't really exist. And honestly, it's not healthy. Like work is work and family is family. Yeah. I'm sorry, Susie that I work with is never going to replace my daughter, my parents. So don't even try that. Yeah. Have you ever fired anybody in your family? 
Very good point. I have never. <laughs> We've had disagreements where we didn't talk for a while, but nobody ever gets fired. Anyways, the message here is avoid saying that. Find some other way to uh, communicate what it is like to work there. Do you know, one of my other favorites, we still see in job ads now where it talks about the entrepreneurial spirit or someone who thinks like an entrepreneur. What that means to me, because I am one, and if I was an employee looking at a job posting, I would think, okay, what that means is there's no structure. You are going to do anything that is thrown at you and you will take complete ownership but you will have no time to really focus on any one thing. How do you interpret that? I agree. I think the expectations from owners of business that employees are going to work as hard as they do collecting a paycheck is not warranted. If you are a business owner and you have the expectation that your employees are going to work harder than you, you have it wrong. When you say you're entrepreneurial, it means you're going to work day and night, all the time. <laughs> no, it's a clear do. warning signal. Yeah. And yeah. we see these in tech startups way more than others. And there's a couple other phrases or quick words that I see in tech more than other businesses must handle stress well. That means it's a really toxic environment, right? Tons of pressure, deadline, very driven. Willing to wear many hats, like it goes to your first point, is you're going to do everything because we are severely understaffed, responsibilities may include those outside the job description. That's a really interesting a, one for me. Exactly. Because they're yeah. writing this to cover themselves legally, right? I'm going to throw a bunch of stuff after the work, be like, well, that's not part of my job description, but sorry, Mr. Employee, you see here, Where, actually, we got, you. <laughs> we got you. We got you, bitch. Yeah, we got you. <laughs> I would challenge every one of our listeners today to just go read 10 job ads and tell me if nine out of 10 don't include some form of this phrase, self-starter, the ability to work independently, or fast-paced environment. You go read 10 job ads, and I guarantee nine out of 10 have at least one of these. What I think they're supposed to mean is that they're looking for somebody who takes initiative, is a problem solver, and they don't need a pat on the back every day. But the way it's coming across and the way I read it, especially self-starter, what that means is we have no training, no mentorship, and you are just going to figure it out yourself. So I implore you, take that self-starter. Like, it's so bad. And the fast-paced environment just means don't expect anything from us because we expect productivity day one. It's the same company that would demand 10 years of experience when all you really need is having done this once before, you could probably figure it out again. <laughs> yeah. And it, you know? there's a Twitter thread that talks about the perception of people when they see these in job descriptions. And one reply said, fast paced environment equals fast track to burnout. And mm -hmm. there's also a really funny meme out there that says, must be willing to work in a fast-paced environment. And they show a picture of this cubicle from the 1980s. When I say 1980s, I still see it in 2022. It doesn't relate. What they're putting in their job ads and the reality of that particular company doesn't always align. And we are in the world right now that you need to be authentic. You need to give the real story, mm -hmm. especially when you're looking at the challenges that we have in recruiting. They don't have to put up with your bullshit. They come in and everything you promise is not the reality. Well, they're going to leave because they have other options. 
The other word of caution here, and this is where language is very important. So when you're looking at your job ads, it's a big exercise. And I've seen how big an exercise it is. It's not just copying and pasting. You have to be very intentional and thoughtful with it. And we're seeing it with languages that potentially would affect groups that would not be interested, say, older demographics, but also the type of language you use might detract women as well. There is a fantastic gender mm-hmm. decoder out there mm-hmm. that you can put your job description and it gives you, is it masculine, feminine? And obviously there's tools like Texio and several others, Talvista, that mm-hmm. can really take those problematic terms. Yeah. Problematic <laughs> terms when it comes to diversity, yeah. equity, but I do want to move to the next recruitment insight. One of the things that we get a lot of questions from people that are not in the business is what are the key data points that we should be looking at to benchmark, to look across other industries? And one that comes up frequently, and I'm not a huge fan of it, but at the end of the day, it's one of the only metric that has some type of benchmarking across different industries is cost per hire data. This is U.S. data, but pretty extensive. And I think it's valuable for anyone across the world to get an idea of how much is it actually costing right now? What's the average cost per hire? What is this survey saying? The average cost per hire in the U.S. right now is $4,700. That doesn't mean it's costing $4,700 for all roles. Average. It's an average. Uh, Obviously, executives are around $16,000, and then the average employee, it it can vary across the board. Right. Right now, it takes around 36 to 42 days to fill just an average position. Here is a key point, and there's something I'm going to correlate with this. 15% of HR expenses are allocated towards recruitment efforts. Around 50% of recruitment in organizations in the U.S. is done by an HR generalists. So 32%, they have someone dedicated to recruitment, coordinator, junior talent acquisition person, a talent acquisition team done directly by hiring managers and staffing agencies really fill that out. So if I take those two data points, 15% seems extremely small of your whole HR budget. 15% is spent on talent acquisition efforts. Before we go into any more data, we need to talk this one out. What's your thoughts here? Yeah, that doesn't seem to line up for me. And I guess the 15% of human resources expenses are allocated towards recruitment efforts. Yet you're right. In the same breath, they're saying that most small companies, though, 50% of the time, your HR business partner is doing recruiting. Where does the 15 versus 50% because it doesn't line up? Well, it does. It should right? be. Like that, there's so many more costs associated. You take the overall budget of HR. So this includes like the HRIS, the HR generalist, all the roles within, and the payroll software, which can be fairly costly if you look at those elements. But what's distracting to me is if we have HR generalists not understanding talent acquisition. They're not putting the argument forward that we need to spend more to reduce our cost per hire, our effort, the time it takes, how we get people on the job in time to be able to fulfill the business that we have. I think that's the massive disconnect there. I don't think they're doing a good job in communicating why we need better tools. Because to me, I'm sorry, talent acquisition is the most important factor. Obviously, apologize for that. 
people need to get paid. So I get it, payroll. But if you look at the functional part of HR on a day-to-day basis, if you're not getting the right people in the door, it doesn't matter what your talent management process is. It doesn't matter how great your HR business partners. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter how great a software you have in your HRS. You're starting from a bad point, right? And these are the people that leave causing all this attrition. I'm going to go through a couple more points here that I thought might have value. On average, it takes around 12 weeks for a new hire to become fully productive at work. Mm-hmm. That was a little faster than I thought, to be honest. The average benefits cost for employees, again, this in the US is 25 to 40% of that employee's base salary. That seems really high to me. You have way more experience in the whole HR cycle. Does that seem normal to you? Well, realize this is US data, right? Yeah. My experience in HR has been purely Canadian, and we don't have the enormous health uh, benefits expense that they do in the US. So we got to temper this with a bit of the fact that it's all US data. Yeah, that's a good point. I always forget healthcare is such a massive cost. The other one that I thought was interesting is vacancy costs on average, this is across all sectors is $100 a day. Obviously, that goes up dramatically for knowledge workers or executives or those types of roles. It does add up in 30 days, you're at $3,000. If you have a role open for a small Mm -hmm. business, that could be a real challenge. just going to give a little bit of a reminder how you calculate cost per hire. It's your total recruitment costs. These are your internal and external costs. So this is the time that your hiring managers are interviewing, your time, your coordinator's time. Then you add in your ATS costs, your job board costs, any sourcing costs, any tools. You're taking that, dividing it by the total numbers of hires, and that is your average cost per hire. So I think that's only half the story, if I may. I just wanted to make sure we point out when we talk about total cost of recruitment, we need to actually call out where does that number come from? It's easy when it's external. Staffing firm and they charge a placement fee. Okay, that's easy. And that needs to be put in the mix if you're truly looking at your overall corporate cost per hire. Now, the internal costs of recruiting would be if you do assessments or any sort of testing, including pre-employment, drug and alcohol, reference checking, et cetera. Your employer branding costs should be included, the internal recruiter salaries. And here's the big part is calculating hiring manager salaries or a portion thereof. Of course, that's not their full-time job, but your internal cost of recruiting needs to include the fact that hiring managers need to be involved, and their time is also involved. Then travel expenses due to recruitment. Uh, Mind you, everybody's got to buy on that lately because we figured out, oh, geez, maybe we can hire people over video interview. And then also internal costs for things like employee referral bonuses. What was wild about this report was what they considered to be an external recruiting cost would be your recruitment software and recruiting event costs. They're calling that external recruiting costs. I don't think it is. In my mind, the only thing that's an external recruiting cost would be recruiting fees and agency fees and staffing firm fees. Like your job ads should be an internal cost, your recruitment software, and then any recruiting events. Those should be internal. I'm not completely aligned with what this particular article is calling out the distinction between internal and external. All that to say, when you're looking at what is the total recruitment cost divided by the number of hires? 
you've got to look at both internal and external. That's all I'm trying to say. I agree. I Mm -hmm. do want to move into our next topic. Everyone's saying, where are all the workers? And we came up with, they're retired, a big portion. I know there's many moving parts, right? Shelly, there's four or five different key things, but the biggest in Canada is retires. We saw recent data from Stats Canada, again, really driving that. People are retiring at a way earlier age from 55 to 64 is at historic highs. But one in five workers in Canada is 55 or older. So this is 20% of our workforce is 55 and over. That's a big portion. And that is very concerning. There's two roles that we hear all the time. They're critical to our economy and our healthcare are nurses and truckers. Since May, Canada has lost 34,000 jobs in healthcare and a record number of nurses are part of that. They're not laying off people. They're not firing people. These people are retiring or completely getting out of the industry And it's exactly the same trend for truckers. The demographic of truckers is a little bit older. So Shelly, this just validates what we've been talking about even further, but what's your thoughts here? It does explain a lot. We've got what seems to be an imbalance, but I see this firsthand and I see it on a daily basis, primarily in transportation, where maybe they would have pre-pandemic worked until 65. The fact is they are changing now at 55. Yeah. We're seeing it firsthand for sure. What do we do? Here's the other really fascinating thing. There are those that had pensions or had always been very diligent about putting money aside that they can retire at 55. So if you look at a nurse who maybe started her first nursing job and paid into a unionized work environment pension or work for an employer who has a really healthy pension, chances are they can quite comfortably retire at 55 and go and do something else. It's very different though than people who found themselves laid off as part of workforce reductions at the beginning of COVID. My question is, where are those workers? Because there's a whole big part of the population that are over 55 that can't find work. Mm. Now, do they not want to work? That is absolute bullshit. I am telling you that ageism is alive and well. It absolutely is. There's a discrimination, just pure and simple. We talk about D, E, and I, and inclusion, and belonging. But every time we bring up the topic of ageism, silence, crickets, Nobody wants to talk about it. We even see it in job ads. Let me give you some examples that if you're over 55, how intimidating or when you feel like you're not wanted. It's subliminal. Don't apply. (laughs) Exactly. Some of it is not that subliminal. Applicants need to be fit and energetic. What the hell does that mean, right? This one is very direct. They need to be digital natives. Who's a digital native? It's definitely not someone that's 55. I'm barely at the cusp of being a digital native and I'm 43. Is that not outright age discrimination? To to call it a digital native? That's just another term for somebody who was born after the year of uh, 1997? Potentially, exactly. 
uh, background in social media, whatever that means. And, and the last one is dynamic workforce. I'm like, what does dynamic mean? And usually that means we want young people. All of these terms that we are currently using fairly frequently, some like digital natives is a scary one because that's outright discrimination. We are in a position that the labor force, there's going to be a shortage for the next 10, 20, 30 years. If we're not looking at all possible talent pools and not discriminating against them, we got to be very conscious about the language that we use. And we have to be intentional to try to recruit these people because I'll tell you, a lot of that demographic brings common sense, the ability mm -hmm. to execute and institutional or industry knowledge that you just don't get. I think we should be recruiting more people in their 50s and above. And maybe I'm saying that because I'm getting to that age, but I think I can bring a lot to the table that maybe someone that's 20 doesn't bring. Experience is key to be successful in a lot of roles. It's not the end all, but Let's be way more intentional when it comes to our language because these people are retiring, but not all of them. We need to be able to recruit the ones that are not. Yeah. I was just talking to someone today that was saying they're in their 60s. It's hard to believe. Like I would never know by looking at them. But he was saying that they've got more energy and they're doing a bigger job and having more fun than they have any other time in their career. And to think that a lot of people are saying, well, you're going to retire at 65. And they're saying, no, I'm actually pretty good to go well into my 70s. That is barring any health issues. They're quite prepared to work going into their 70s or their 80s. I do believe that 60 is a new 40 almost. I remember thinking what 60 would look like. And I look at them and I'm like, no. Have you seen the memes of like years ago, how people looked at 40 and how they look at now, even at yeah. 30, like at 30 in the 60s, they look like they were like 80. And I think it has a lot to do with the hairstyles and the way they dress. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But you are 100% right. There's a lot of value. And I've seen it firsthand. My dad retired at 55. My father-in-law worked till like 72 and was still like at a senior yeah. level and a contributor on a day-to-day -day basis and really brought a lot of value. So on that note, inclusive language and how you word things across the board is critical. We still do need to look at all the talent pools. So let's not discriminate against people that are older. We need them. We need them in the workforce. Aside from that, Shelly, anything new in your world? I did go through a bit of withdrawal after having so many days in a row of us, uh, like 12 hours a day for three days in a row. It was kind of nice. It really was. So thank you, Serge. You made the trip enjoyable. I love how organized you are. It seems like the things that I wasn't really good at, you're good at. You know, I had to carry you on my back a few times, but that's okay. That's usually the case, right? <laughs> Before we go, yeah. uh, I have acquired a license for Disrupt HR in Halifax, Nova Scotia. Mm -hmm. I'm very excited joining uh, my second work wife because you're my work <laughs> wife, but I have a second one, Leah Solbring, who we've had <laughs> on the show me. before. And I've worked with her for almost 20 years in different companies. And uh, she moved to Halifax and I did a LinkedIn post about it today. And I was very yeah. genuine in saying that Disrupt HR changed my life. I had a successful career, but the minute I decided to do Disrupt HR and share my knowledge and thoughts. It really blew up for me in some ways, but I think the biggest thing, it gave me confidence that I have something 
that is good to share. So for those people that are listening and you want to make an impact, I highly recommend Disrupt HR and speaking at it because you will find your voice and it might have the best possible impact in your career. If it doesn't, the ability to get in front of a fairly large crowd and share what you have is something we should all do. So I'm very excited to have that license with Disrupt HR. I think we're going to do something special in the Halifax market. So. Shelly, on that Congratulations. note. That's very exciting. Thank you. On that note, have a great weekend. Thank you. See ya. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.